Welcome to Ladies Get Action, the podcast where two best friends talk about getting action movies. This week, uh, we watched the first Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, we're doing another lap through this, and I'm so curious to hear what you thought about it, because we were so pleasantly surprised about revisiting The Fast and the Furious, so uh, I guess we'll kind of get into how we (laughs) felt about this the second time around. Yeah, like my initial thought, like you alluded to, I was so pleasantly surprised by how much I loved the first Fast and Furious, my second watch. I did not, I I don't think I gained much love for this film on my second watch. I didn't hate it. I vaguely remember not liking it before. And I, I wouldn't say I disliked this film, but I didn't love it. What about you? What was your initial thought? Yeah, so I remember this movie being a real snooze fest the first time I watched it. And I was really dreading like spending two hours watching it again. But same thing, I didn't hate it. I didn't feel like strong feelings of like, why am I watching this? There were even parts where like I was actually enjoying it, but it wasn't It wasn't like the Fast and the Furious where I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad I discovered the series. Yeah, I don't think I gained much new from a rewatch where I felt like I gained a lot from rewatching the Fast and Furious. I mean, it was a little bit easier with Fast and the Furious because we had watched Point Break you know, and that linked up to that. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of other things there. Whereas this, I just learned what I had forgotten about the movie, which was like a bunch of plot points. Yeah. Well, before we get into it, how has your week been? Well, my week has been great. We <laughs> were in Florida. Yes. Earlier this week. We went on vacation um, with Rin's boyfriend and another couple of friends of ours. And it was really, really fun. Mm-hmm. And then we came back to winter. <laughs> yeah now oh god it, it's gone a moment ago there was uh it was a hailstorm here in new york and i just looked at the window and it's it's over already yeah but other than that my week has been just adjusting back trying to figure out ways that universal can really like seal the deal with their merchandising for fast <laughs> and the furious oh yeah we should talk about the ride so oh yeah so we um we went to orlando and we did one day universal and two days at Disney and had a blast. And the Universal Day, like overall, for me was like really fun rides, action packed. We didn't stop moving like at all that day. I was so tired. It was a very long day. Very. We were up early. Then we were kind of up late for being up so early. Yeah. We, what was it? We met in the lobby at like 5.30 in the morning. Yeah. I think. Actually, I think it was 6.30. We met at 6. Yeah. We met at 6 or something in the morning. Yeah. I, I woke up at like five. You, you were in the lobby at like six. We were. You guys were late. There at six thirty. <laughs> that was a common. That was a common theme. I was there a little early, but I was also by myself, so it was easy enough for me to like get up and get going rather than being two people. Yeah. But it was an incredibly long day. Like we got to the park before the sun rose. Yeah, it was dark. <laughs> and we were wandering around. Um, and we started at Harry Potter World, which is fantastic and so much fun. But we just didn't stop. And one of the highlights of this this uh, day universal was we were so excited to do the fast and furious ride because they were billing it as a ride. Meanwhile, last summer uh, or last spring when I was living in LA for a month, Rin came out and visited me and we went to the Los Angeles universal park where they also said they had a fast and furious ride. However, it was not a ride. It was uh, a small portion of the uh, studio tour. It was fine. I hated it. You thought it was was, fine. I mean, it was pretty forgettable. It was pretty silly. The first time or the second time? The first time. Oh, okay. The first time, because it was part of the studio tour, and I was like, okay, at least I didn't, like, wait in line for this. Yeah, exactly. Because it wasn't billed as a separate ride, I was like, oh, that's stupid. But whatever, you know, I'm on the studio tour, like, I'm going to see 
you know, the Jaws thing next, it's fine. We're, we're yeah. moving on. Um, and I like an acknowledgement of Fast and Furious. I enjoy that. But it wasn't good the first time. And the second time, I'm like, it's going to be great. They've dedicated a whole ride to this. It's going to be totally different. Maybe it'll be partly the same. Uh-oh, it's probably going to be partly the same. <laughs> and uh, we got in there. We breezed through most of the line. Um, they built like a little area that looked like where they do the cookouts. They built a, a garage. Uh, none of it was actually linked to the films. They put so little effort into this ride. I mean, even that cookout spot was really, really sad. It was. It looked pathetic. It, it looked was like, like depressing. Yeah, it was like a New York backyard after when it's March and like an overgrown yard. Yeah, it just. It was like someone had never watched the films and made this whole experience because it was literally cars. There's one. They had the the Dom Toretto car. So they had one car from the movies, and that was exciting to see. And we took pictures of that. All the other cars in the garage were not from the movies. were just random cars. Some of them weren't even American cars. That didn't make sense. It, it was just so dumb. And then we got into the ride and it was terrible. It was not good. We got on a bus. <laughs> Number one, it's a movie about racing fast cars and we got on a bus. Because the whole, I mean, with a lot of these, especially the 3D rides, there's like a story. Yeah. So like you're either fighting somebody or you're protecting a spy. We were going to an after party of the- like, Of a race a that we didn't see. Right, which I get how it could make sense, but it doesn't. For for a movie that's like all about family and like racing cars, like or using cars to like defeat enemies. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was it was really dumb. It was so stupid and like meanwhile Rin's boyfriend's like to me he's like, "Oh, is like the Fast and Furious movies are they like all about parties? Like going to parties?" Like, "No, not really." But the rest of the day was fabulous and we went home so exhausted. Um, of course, myself and James and uh, Sheila, our original Washington Heights crew, rallied and went out for a drink afterwards because that's what we do. I went straight to bed and enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> it was great. But should we get into the movie? Yeah, let's get into it. So Mission Impossible, the first one. We discussed our overall thoughts a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I I forgot most of this movie, which is a good thing. Same. Because when, when did we originally watch it? Like 2020, probably? Definitely 2020. Yeah. Yeah, I just remember it being so boring to me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't boring this time around, but it wasn't like the best movie I'd ever seen. Well, definitely no. not that. No, no. Yeah, it was fine. It was like something you put on in the background while you're doing other things. Yeah, I had forgotten entirely about Emilio Estevez. I did too. It was like Mighty Ducks guy. Yeah, the film starts with him, basically. Um, and he gets squished in an elevator shaft silently. I think they didn't want to show it on screen. It's just a brutal way to die. Just the fact, like, and this happens all the time in these movies. People get shot and they just, like, fall down silently all the time where they break a leg and they're just, <laughs> like, mm. you know, they don't even make a noise. Right. But he got squished in an elevator shaft. Like, all his bones got crunched. And he did that completely silently. I think, like, his radio feed cut out. And so they couldn't hear it? No, but the the people in the elevator could have heard it. Was there anybody in the elevator? Wasn't there? No, I don't think so. Oh, just the villain, you know, squishing him? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That just, that was really strange to me. Um, but we also get our first instance of face mask technology. <laughs> so I didn't realize in between the first watching of Mission Impossible series and this watching... I learned that the face technology was something that came from the TV show in the 60s. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I thought it was like some weird tech that they had made up, which they did in the 60s, but that was actually continued into now. 
Well, it's funny because in this film, uh, because it's different in later Mission Impossible films, the mask, the face mask technology. Mm-hmm. Um, in this one, it was clearly a rubber mask that he took off of his face in the very opening scene. Um, and then later, it's clearly prosthetics on his face. It was just really strange. And then, but earlier in the scene, it's just a different actor, which is the other thing they do. It's either just a completely different actor pretending to be him or it's a rubber mask. Right. Very clearly a rubber mask. (laughs) (laughs) Or old man prosthetics on a, a young man's face. Right. Yeah. Those were a lot. I think I wrote that down. And in later movies too, it's actually like 3D printing. Right. In later movies, it's super high tech, but it is usually still just a different actor playing the, the role. Right. And then peeling off a face to reveal a different face. Oh, yeah. So we get introduced to the team and we see the old guy, John Voight, um, accepting his mission in the, the plane. I was going to say, I remember those like lift up TV screens. I mean, I'm sure we all do, but remember they would like lift out of the seat and kind of sit upright. Very vaguely. Not really. Because now they're in the back of the seat. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I don't remember them coming out of the seat. Oh, really? Armrest. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. It might have been on smaller flights, but that's what would it, like pop up. Oh, weird. That's cool. Well, he's watching a tape on a cassette tape. I know. And then there's the famous line, you know, your mission, should you choose to accept it? I think that's weird just on its surface because isn't this his job? To accept missions? Yeah, like to be in the CIA, doesn't he just have to, isn't this just his job? Well, I don't think he's, so he's not in the CIA. He's part of like the IO something. Well, but what the movie's version of the CIA. Right, right. I think he's part of a secret subset of the CIA because remember they keep on going on missions where it's like it's the non-official cover list that they're trying to recover yeah in the movie and I think it's all these people who are not like technically linked to the CIA but are okay, a I mean that's all mission. fine that doesn't matter it's still your job to do whatever the mission you don't have an <laughs> right. option right right it's not know. like when I get an assignment at work it's like your assignment if you choose to accept it no like you just it's still your even if it's a secret job it's still your job uh, you mean <laughs> you don't turn down things no generally not yeah maybe it's just giving him the illusion of choice yeah I always thought that was silly and then we get like a very uh, expedient plot device of getting the bios of each person on the team. Oh, right. Yeah. Which is also silly because 90% of them die right away. So you don't need them. I also thought it was really interesting. I mean, do you think that they were all big names then or are they all big names now? Well, Emilio Estevez would have been a big name then. Right. He dies so fast. He's yeah. in it for like two seconds of the movie. And John Voight has a, a big role in the film and right. he survives. But like... Kristen Scott Thomas also dies very quickly. Which one was she? She was the brunette um, who gets stabbed through the bars. Oh, yeah. I don't think she was a name. Yeah, this might have been one of her earlier things. Um, I thought it was interesting to see Tom Cruise not in the boss role because I had forgotten that he like starts off as just like a member of the team. Mm-hmm. And not like in charge of everything. Because always, you know, in these films, it feels like he's the, the leader character. Right. Well, this is his origin story. Yeah. But he's like, you know, cracking jokes about the coffee. I was like, is he hitting on old guy's wife? He absolutely is. And then why is the wife so young? They don't yeah. ever comment on that. But John Voight looks like a grandpa, like a legitimate grandpa, at least like in his 60s. And this woman is in her early 30s. I'd say 20s. Yeah, it, that was very bizarre. I think, again, that might have been a holdout from the TV show where they just were like, we're going to int- reintroduce these characters or something. Were I they in the TV show? I don't know, but it just feels like something that they had to pull in, I guess. I mean, why do it otherwise without any sort of explanation? I don't know. I mean, I can't I can't speak to that without knowing what the TV show was. And you don't know either. So I don't know. But either way, it was creepy. We also get the first line of the disavowal knowledge. 
Yes, I forgot the disavowed star this early. Oh, I love I love the disavow. <laughs> so basically, because this is like a non-official mission, the government reserves the right <laughs> if Ethan or his team is captured to disavow all knowledge of them. So funny. And this the term comes up like in all the other Mission Impossibles again and again and again and again. They just love using it. Like a spy gone rogue is disavowed. <laughs> yeah, they start talking about people getting disavowed. <laughs> um, and I wrote down, you know, if they have such good mask technology, why is Tom Cruise the only one who gets to wear them? Shouldn't they all be masked? Oh, yeah, that's true. Like when they go into the fancy party um, that be- that begins this film, why aren't all of them wearing different faces? They're all semi-recognizable. Maybe it's so expensive to make a mask of one oh, specific God. person. <laughs> right, and the mask in this this point was just prosthetic nose and wrinkles. Right. <laughs> I also love in that scene of like the black tie affair, which is also a very common trope in all these action movies, like some gala or they're the opera or like, yeah, they were all being so obvious with their spy things. Oh, I know. They're like talking into their wrists and stuff. Right. Or like spraying perfume at the back of somebody's head. Yeah. Or some woman is wearing sunglasses inside. Yeah. Come on, guys. Well, yeah, she like used her like transitions lenses. Right. Like right. go from uh, data to sunglasses. Yeah, it was very obvious. And I also wrote down, Ethan is such a baby. Tom Cruise. Oh, I know. He looks so young. Oh, I did write down um, that they had three women on the team, which I wasn't used to. Although I guess they do kill off two of them right away. And then the other woman is a villain, it turns out. Did you see the twist coming? Yeah. I couldn't remember. I knew that it was some sort of twist. It's tough because he'd seen it. Right. I remember that John Voight wasn't really dead. Yeah, I did Because... Even, I think even if I hadn't seen it already, I would think that because the weird video of his like, oh, my hands have blood on them. <laughs> I must be dying. Yeah, that was some awfully right, bright blood. Oh, it's just a weird video to send him. Like, here's my hands covered in blood. Oh, no. It was just a very strange first person video. So, but uh, the woman, yeah, I thought it was suspicious that she came in when she did. And he thinks so too. Mm-hmm. But he gets over it really fast. Yeah, well, she's stunning. <laughs> Yeah, but he doesn't like, even go after her. Like, oh, to find her? Well, he, he no, didn't... no, romantically. He doesn't pursue any kind of, like, romantic or sexual moment with her. I did think there was something very strangely, like, not sexual about the moment where Tom Cruise, like, slams this woman onto the bed. It felt like it should have been a sexy moment, the way he, like, lingered over her body. Right. But I just felt like he didn't feel sexy in that moment. No, he didn't. That's I just like a, a lack of chemistry. I thought that he was could have gone either way. Like he was either going to hurt her or he was going to. Well, that was the context of it. Yeah. That right. he was being aggressive with her. Yeah. No, I didn't get sexy time from that. No, I didn't either. <laughs> I think the film wanted, wanted us to believe it was going to be. Yeah, but then why never pay that off? I guess because we're supposed to think, oh, she's still loyal to John Voight because they end up together in the end, you know? Oh, right. And yeah. They're both villains. But it doesn't make any sense. He thinks John Voight's dead. I did think it was really upsetting watching his whole team die. Yeah, that was that was pretty high stakes. Why wasn't anyone wearing a bulletproof vest? Great question. Yeah, because when John Voight's like has, has his hands all covered in blood, <laughs> I was thinking like he's he knows he's running out into the middle of this mission when he was supposed to be in the office. Why does he just like toss on a protective vest or something? You'd think they'd all have protective vests. Yeah, so it'd be harder to stab or. Yeah, I mean, you can't really do anything about the car. No. I don't know. I guess they had to get to, um, or like the, the elevator. Right, the elevator squish. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah I, I liked that part. I, I thought it was high stakes. I thought the brunette woman was involved in all this because she was acting so sketchy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we see she's dead too. And then Tom's holding the murder weapon. He runs off. 
Um, I guess he escapes the police entirely and gets to go to this cafe. <laughs> what Also, what a cool cafe. It was very pretty. Yeah. So then he's at the cafe with that boss guy from the CIA or whatever. Yep. Or as I was thinking of him, daddy from Revenge. Oh, that's right. He was in Revenge. <laughs> I did write down that he was like CIA daddy, but they're there at this restaurant and Tom uh, suddenly understands that there's a second team at the heist. And he's asking the boss about it. And the boss explains, basically, uh, there's a mole and we think it's you. And we're willing to kill your entire team. Yeah, we killed everyone in your team. And we were going to kill you, too, if you weren't the mole. We're just willing to sacrifice everyone in this team to fish out the mole. And the information we gave is bad information. and Or that they stole was bad information. Oh, also... There's like 150 grand or something in your parents' bank account now that wasn't there. And right. So suspicious. it looks like, right. It looks like you made this deal. Because so they think he's a double agent. Oh, yeah. So then the boss daddy says, You want to shake hands with the devil? That's fine with me. I want to make sure you do it in hell. Meanwhile, they've got the weirdest angles on them. Like the camera angles, they're like looking up at them or like looking down. It's all very mm. tilty. I just thought that was weird and I didn't appreciate that. You didn't like it? No. I didn't really think it did much. Mm-hmm. They're trying to ratchet up the tension probably. Yeah. Um, but then it, yet another aquarium bursts open. <laughs> yes. Which is another common theme in all these movies. And we were just uh, looking back at some uh, the trailer for Bad Boys. And I forgot there's a fish tank in that one. And then Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon 2. It is very dramatic. A lot of water rushes out. A lot of dead fish. Yeah, that's sad. But yeah, another aquarium is broken. And then Tom blows up the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, he uses the gum from um, Emilio Estevez. Yeah, that was a cool moment when he blows up the restaurant. That was pretty cool. And I wrote, he really already is disavowed. <laughs> so I also wrote down with regards to the fish tank, I wrote down, fish tank, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Also fish. Because of a blind item that we had read the first go-around of the series. Oh, yeah. So in 2020, when Dumas started, um, there were these two blind items that came out. Because right around that time, Tom Cruise was filming the current Mission Impossible in Rome, I think. And the first blind item was like, oh, this, you know, A-list actor currently filming the next iteration of his action franchise in Rome, who's known for like being really, really like overly protective about COVID because he had just gotten the press for like yelling at his team about COVID precautions, something about him. And it was like that he went into a grocery store with his security detail and he went to the fish counter. And obviously this is Tom Cruise they're talking about, right? So he goes, the story goes, he goes to the, and this is completely anonymous completely unverified right this is bullshit but apparently he goes to the fish counter and he says that he wants like a whole fish um i forget what kind of fish but it was a larger fish he wanted a whole fish like raw not cooked not cleaned not filleted and the guy goes okay gives him the whole fish um but he doesn't want it wrapped up either he just wants it just a limp cold fish in your hands yeah they just give it to him and the story goes that he took it to the bathroom. And then like 20 minutes later, he returned without the fish. Make of that what you will. And one can only guess at what he was doing in the bathroom with that fish. And then the other story that comes out like maybe a couple of days later is from many years past from like 26, like no, like 2000 something. When he was filming Night and Day with Cameron Diaz. And it was like a woman who worked at a fish shop. And he went into her fish shop. And asked again for the same thing, wanted like a whole fish raw, and they didn't sell that. And so he was apparently really upset and left. 
So he just uh, blew up a, a fish tank in this movie. So he'll have lots of oh, fish. So we've we've speculated over the last two years what he was doing with the fish. What are your guesses, Ren? I mean, I think it would be really, really nice to say he was eating it raw. Right. So I think there's a, a couple options. There's A, he's eating it raw. But then why does he have to do it in the bathroom? Why not take it home to eat it raw and cold? Yeah, why not? Why not take it home for any of these options, actually? Really, why do this in public? Why do this in a public bathroom? I mean, granted, he has a security team there, so he's like in there by himself and no one's going in. But why do this in public? And then another idea I had is like, maybe he was like cutting the fish open and like rubbing it on his body in some way. Like maybe that's like a a thing he wants to do, like a skincare thing or... In the bathroom of a fish shop. Right. Again, in the bathroom of a grocery store. Right. That is not my prime choice for like... Or the third option is that he was having sex with them. Which, again, take it home. (laughs) Right, you'd be so much more comfortable. Yeah. (laughs) Again, this is totally unverified. We're really just spreading gossip here. Yeah, but that is is a thing I think about a lot now. And clearly you did too, because you brought this back into into my mind. I did, you're welcome. Now we can wonder at the three options. Yeah, what do you guys think? (laughs) Tune in, let us know. Um, and if you have any fish stories about Tom Cruise, and if you know about a third time that he did this, please let us know. You can email us. Anyway, he leaves the dead fish in the exploded restaurant, and he goes back to his hotel or, like, home base. Mm-hmm. But first, I wrote down, this was a great little clever trick. He breaks um, a light fixture so that there's glass all over the floor, so he'll hear somebody approaching. Oh, I didn't even catch that's why he was doing it. That's smart. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, hopefully I would never be in a position, but if I do ever go into my spy life, uh-huh. that is something I would need to know how to do. Yeah, that's a good tip. Do you know of any other tips of like how to tell if somebody's broken into your apartment or like following you? <laughs> that's a good one. Um, I mean, I just think about the home alone stuff, like just like leaving like a little bits of string out or like, you know, like tying a string to something else and like a big bucket of water that's going to fall down yeah, the glass trick was clever, though. And so he, like, gets on his computer. Is this when he figured out the, the Bible thing? Yep. He gets on his ancient computer and starts emailing everyone from Bible chat groups. This was so funny to me because now it's like, how on earth are you going to find the one person that you need? But this reminded me of the movie that I think I've talked about with you before called The Net mm-hmm. with Sandra Bullock, which I dearly love. It's a terrible movie. But it's fantastic. And it's one of those things where in it, she's chatting with like the one person Mm -hmm. that she needs to have the information. And it reminded me of this. Oh, yeah. You're not going to find the one person on the internet necessarily in a matter of hours. No, never. So yeah, he's he's chatting in all the Bible chat groups. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he finds, uh, he gets a response in the middle of the night. I don't know her name. I just know her as like the old guy's wife. But she comes back in. Claire. Sure. Claire. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Claire returns and that's when Tom pounces on her and whatever. He gets over it really quickly though. And he's like, okay. And then I was writing down like why, like Tom Cruise feels really chill about switching sides mm-hmm. when he decides to work for the bad guys, you know? And it wasn't really, I imagine it was like a long game of trying to smoke out the mole still to get himself, to get his name cleared. But it didn't really seem like that. I feel like it was also about like, Eh, okay, like I'm this this job isn't gonna work for me. I guess I'll <laughs> guess I'll go ahead and be a villain and do that job. Cause he wasn't very concerned about the private information, like the names and 
contact info for the spies that he was giving to them that was real. Yeah, he seemed remarkably unconcerned with a lot of things regarding his job. Like the fact that his entire team had died. He kind of got over that pretty quick. Yeah, but he was just fine to switch sides. Yes, it was the same. I, I was kind of in my head. I was like, he's playing a long game. He'll switch back or figure it out, I guess. But hard to figure out when you don't know who the mole is and you have no exit route. Yeah, and he just goes through with it all the way. He doesn't like break back into Langley and then not steal the information or steal incorrect information. I think I would have appreciated a, maybe a line or two about why he was going to turn all that information over. Like, even if it had been like, oh, I'm disillusioned. I see this whole place is corrupt. Right. Or it could have been like, this is my long game. Right. This way, I'll really find out who the mole is. But without that, you're just like, oh, okay. I guess he just doesn't care about anything. Mm, yeah. But that's when we meet Max. Oh, and then also, <laughs> also we meet Max. He's like blindfolded to go meet Max. They make a deal. And she goes, okay, that's that. All works for me. And then she just drops him off at home. Like I was thinking, I wrote down like, why would Max let Ethan out of her sight even for a moment? Wouldn't they want to just stay together from now on? I feel like it's the same sort of trust that you have to have that you're going to get Ben mode for doing a bank heist. Right. It's not going to yeah. happen. Right. The second they leave, well, the second they leave him alone, he's going to be starting his like counter plan. And he does. Right. And he does. I don't know. Shouldn't have left him alone. I will note one of the uh, one of the guys on Max's security team, the one with the long blonde hair. Mm-hmm. He's one of the bad guys from Die Hard. Oh, is he? Mm-hmm. So he left LA and I guess found his way to to Max. We're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be back with more Mission Impossible. And we're back. So then they go to Langley after picking up the two new members of their crew. Well, that's when you get to see Ving Rhames as Luther, who is great. Yeah, and I remember I he comes back in the other movies. He was a delight. I also love Vanessa Redgrave, too, who plays Max. Mm-hmm. I just think she's so fun. And she was, like, having a great time. Yeah, she was, she was like, breezy. Yeah. Her energy was very light and fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then the best line, I thought the, the funniest line of the movie, is when Ethan says, relax, Luther. It's much worse than you think. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because I think he and Luther have great chemistry. Yeah. You know, but he has no chemistry with anybody else, really. Well, yeah, I think Luther is, like, a fun character. And yeah. Tom Cruise is a great actor, too. And he brings a lot of fun to this role. But like I said, there's no chemistry at all with him and that woman. I feel like she was really forgettable. So maybe it's her fault. <laughs> or the, I mean, the writing's fault, probably. But Probably, yeah. It is funny when they go and do their heist at Langley. They have her in this red suit that is so loud. I mean, she looks great in it, but it's so loud and so bright. And it's not discreet at all, which is what, what you want for a heist. Yeah, why not the same suit in black? Once again, this would have been a great time to use mask technology because they're walking <laughs> back into Langley with their faces. And I know this is the 90s, but they definitely had some kind of like facial recognition. They had something. a retina scan. They had a retina scan and they have photographs at security. Right. right. Right? Like they have photography of security. And even for Tom to come in as a janitor, they would have like checked his ID or something. Yeah, they were not that last. And then uh, what's her face? The old guy's wife. She, they're all spies. They've all been to Langley before. Everyone would know what she looks like and go, hey, uh, didn't you die with all those other people or something? Someone would have seen her. Yes. Aren't you disavowed? Like something should have come up in her file that said disavowed. Like don't let her in. <laughs> If she walked in the front door, which it seems like she did walk in the front door. And everyone's like looking at her face. Why not have the masks active at this point in the film? The mask technology is one of those weird things that they seem to pull out as the story needs it or not. 
it, this would have been a great time for them to all be in masks, though, of masks of different faces. Yeah, it made no sense to me why they would choose not to at this point. Like, they know her at the CIA. Oh, and then there's the very iconic scene where um, where Tom goes upside down into the that white room where you can't make any noise or touch anything and the temperature. This is where I kind of felt like the movie slowed down a little bit too much for me. Oh, like, really? I wanted, the, I wanted the scene to be just a little bit faster. It did. We were with him in there a long time, huh? Yeah. And it should have been like the highest tension point of the film. It absolutely should have, but it wasn't. Yeah, just because it was longer. I agree. Yeah, and then I wrote down like, why are they so willing to really steal from the CIA? I guess like to find the real mole, but they're, I said, but they're burning hundreds of agent identities in the process. Oh, and then, okay, so then, then they, he gets out of there. It's all fine. And then the knife drops. But it doesn't set off alarms? I, I Maybe because the guy's already in the room. Maybe because the guy's in the room and because it doesn't touch the ground. Yeah. So I, what would you do if you walked into, like, your office? <laughs> the office is sealed. You unlock it. You walk in and there's and it's a knife. pristine. It's pristine. And there's <laughs> never been another soul in there. It's pristine. And there's this knife, like, perfectly balanced, sticking up from your desk. As if, like, some... Some animals, some like human animal, went in there and stabbed it into the computer, uh, the mouse pad. I mean, what would you think? Would you be like, oh my god, I've been marked? Like, yes, <laughs> I think someone's coming to kill me. <laughs> I would also look up. The fact right. that he didn't look up. No, he did, but they put the grade over it. Oh, it was earlier that he didn't look up when Tom Cruise was above him. Right, she made him throw up. Right, right, right. With her weird. Pen. That made sense, at least. But yeah, no, the knife. I would have been like, well, I guess he did run to superiors. Yeah. And get punished for it. But I still think it's so funny that like you walk into this office. It's oh like, my god! It's just like a knife. It's a threat. It is a threat. It's very. And then I, I would also be looking around the whole office looking for other clues. Like, mm. did they leave a note somewhere? Like, how am I supposed to interpret the threat? Who's threatening me? <laughs> like, they should leave some kind of clue. They can at least know what the threat is. Or what kind of message it is. Is it like, we've yeah. got your back? Or is it, we're going to get what your back? What kind of message is, we've got your back? I don't know. What kind of a like... threat is that? We got you. Got you, girl. Here's a knife. Just right. want to say I love you. No, what? What are you talking about? Um, That's what I expect your next text for me to be. Is yeah, like... just a knife. <laughs> I'm going to start sending you knife emojis. Just, just check just in. the middle of the night. <laughs> check it out, you girl. I'm on your team. <laughs> No, 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 no. Got your back. I'm just saying a message could be interpreted so many ways. The only thing up for debate there is what is the threat? Is it my kid? Is it my husband? Is it give me the money? You know, what what is the stake? So then the the bad boss guy is trying to cover up for the breach and he sends this poor guy, the schlub, who is uh who sees the knife and he's like just going through his day. Instead sort of like a like a Debbie Downer kind of guy. <laughs> but they sent him to Antarctica for reporting it. I didn't get that either. The daddy from Revenge probably was like, if this gets out, that's my job. And this is my career on the line. Right. So we're going to send this guy to Antarctica. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> so stupid. Um, and then John Voight is back. And he's Job, which we figured. Right. Yeah. Although I did love the scene where he turns around in the phone booth. Mm-hmm. That caught me by surprise. Oh, yeah. I gasped. <laughs> oh, and then this is when um, Boss Daddy at the CA gets Tom's parents arrested in a drug bust. Right. Did you catch that? <laughs> yeah. Well, barely. I was like, what is happening? And then they kind of explained it later. Oh, yeah. Well, I ended up going back because I didn't quite hear it right. Um, they said that the, the parents were involved in this huge drug bust and they were making methamphetamine something else, like first word was something to do with meth and the second word was something else and so they said the street name is cat 
<laughs> for the drug. <laughs> the street name is Cat. Sure. Parents are slinging Cat. <laughs> and then so Voight says, like, Kittredge is the bad guy. And I'm like, who's Kittredge? No clue. Apparently he's the CIA boss. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even understand this note. The cool guy helping is the bad guy? Oh, it's, oh, it's the French guy. Yeah, with the knife. The not, the not Luther guy. The one who left the message. Right. Then we find out that he's... Uh, He's also a bad guy. So now the bad guy team is John Voight, his hot wife, and the French guy. Um, yeah, wife with the other lady. Wife is evil. John Voight is talking about like why he went evil. And he says he was only making 62 grand a year. That's tough. I'd go evil too. <laughs> he's in his 60s and he's working at the CIA and they're like putting him up in fancy hotels to do recruitment. And he's like running missions. He's only making 62 grand a year. Yeah. I guess like with inflation, that'd probably be like today's like a hundred grand. Maybe 125. You think that much more? No. Just in the actually, 90s? No, I don't. I think it'd be maybe like it'd be like Maybe it'd still be even like 90 or 80. Honestly. Yeah, I think it'd be under six figures. That's crazy. I would quit too. <laughs> You'd be... go evil? Yeah. Too? For that little money? Yeah. You got to pay me to keep me good. <laughs> <laughs> if you want me to be like a good spy, you got to pay me enough money. Because if the bad guys are paying a lot more money, then, ooh, you know, it's questionable what I would do. Um, I wrote, being a spy should pay way more. Well, I mean, it probably doesn't because what we learned from John Wick was that, you know, being a rogue assassin pays a ton. Oh, you're saying a ton more than being a spy might? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But still, 62 grand seems I know. very low for a person in such a senior position. It's pretty upsetting. Yeah, he's in that role a long time. Probably <laughs> like 30 years in the business. I mean, what can we say about America and its treatment of workers? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So then we get to the scene where Claire goes and finds her husband, but it's really Tom Cruise. So before that, there's a little scene. And this is when I thought like there should have been a sex scene or like a romantic moment. Tom Cruise goes back to wherever and he knows that John Boyd's alive. John Boyd was complaining about his paycheck and he's with the wife and the wife starts like kissing on his hand. Oh, right. Cause she's apologizing for bringing the French guy onto the team. Is that what she was doing? Mm-hmm. I didn't get that at all. I thought that, yeah, that's what. The French guy was still alive and like, he, I don't think he knew the French guy was evil yet. No, he had figured it out because he had figured out that John Boyd was bad because he was like, oh, he needed an accomplice and he figured out that French guy stabbed their original right. lead and the brunette. Okay. Interesting. Because didn't French guys storm off after their Langley heist? I don't know. Okay. Someone he storms off and Claire apologizes. So I'm probably on the wrong, thinking on the wrong. Well, whichever. She kisses his hand. Mm-hmm. And I thought something sexy was supposed to happen there. But also, I Tom is very suspicious of her at that point. But I wrote down, like, how did he get out of that situation? It just ended right there. Like, we should have seen him have to be like, not now. Like, I, you know, we're still mourning the loss of your husband because he's dead or... After your mission. Right. Like, it was a little strange. I, from that scene, I actually got that he wanted to tell her that her husband was alive more so that he was suspicious of her. Oh, then why didn't he? Because John Voight had said, Claire can't know. No one can know. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, just kept writing. They should be wearing these masks all of the time. Yeah. And then this is the scene where the wife is, where are they on a train? This mm-hmm. point. And she goes into her room and sees John Voight and she's like, telling the plan and she was like we can't kill ethan right here or we should kill ethan but it's gonna be really noisy or whatever i want to kill ethan and then he takes off his face and it's ethan and it's ethan <laughs> of course but then john white shows up with one of the most stomach turning lines i've heard oh i wrote it down too give <laughs> yeah. the context 
So basically, John Voight is like, surprise, we're still going to kill you. And uh, we weren't sure we could pull it off. And Claire wasn't sure that she could, like, charm you. But I had confidence. Oh, in yeah. Her. And then he says, I was confident having tasted the goods. <laughs> yeah, it was gross. Um, so the wife is evil. and Now everyone knows it. And then John Voight shoots his wife by accident. Yeah. And then we leave her there to die. <laughs> yep. Yeah, moving on. <laughs> Which, so, to kind of go back to yeah. John Voight and his hot young wife, he's, like, why, it doesn't seem like they're together for love, because they don't really interact. He's making $62,000 a year. <laughs> She's not with him for money. <laughs> Is there some crazy life insurance policy that, that she's hoping to get? Like, yeah. Why? Yeah, what's the appeal? He's not like charismatic or cool. I mean, she seems to like sort of mourn him, but not she didn't really. seem to be Well, into she knows him. he's alive the whole time. Oh, right, so there's no right. reason for her to mourn him. But she didn't seem to be into him. At any point in the movie, they don't even acknowledge each other. No, not like that, except for that nasty line. I know. Well, there's also a line in the beginning when um, Ethan's cracking jokes and... Oh, yes. And John Wood is like, don't make fun of my wife's coffee. Yeah, that was stupid. Yeah, but that's it. You're right. It's not for the money. It's not for love. What is it? These villains have to stick together. She was like, you're my only option. Yeah. I, but I don't understand why she didn't have sex with Tom Cruise when she had the chance. I don't know. And was there a chance? Why wasn't Why wasn't this movie sexier? Yeah. I mean, I guess I could. So the first part of the scene where he's aggressive with her was pretty uncomfortable, I thought. But I could see how that could turn into something like a little more exciting. Agreed. Yeah. Well, he's, yeah, he's being, like I said, he's being very aggressive with her. It was like a little scary. Yeah. Um, but it looked like it, sh- it should have flipped into sexy. Right. Right. Or there was sexual tension. I just didn't feel mm-hmm. that sexual tension coming from Tom. Well, and then they cut it off immediately. And they kind of, the movie moves away from it, right? Yeah. Away, instead of staying in it. She like turns her head and then we're like, okay, we're done. Yeah, we're over this. Yeah, why wasn't this movie sexier? He had time to have sex with her. Mm-hmm. Like they had time for like a romantic scene or a stolen kiss or. Well, even in that first opening scene with um, Kristen Scott Thomas, the the brunette who you thought was bad, mm-hmm. like when they're pretending to be making out, they're not even making out. They're just like oh, whispering. Yeah, <laughs> To each other's ears. Yeah, he just put his head near hers. It's a very, like, theater school, like, pretend to kiss with your thumbs over the mouth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they could have had a great time there. It was really strange. At least in this film, he's just, like, a very desexualized person, Tom Cruise, in this film, Ethan. Yeah. Um, Which is just so strange, because he's so charismatic. He is, and we've seen him, like, in Night and Day, I think he yeah. was, like... Sexy. Yeah. It's just so strange to see him with like zero energy for that. Mm-hmm. Just like neutered. Yeah, it was really weird. So now we're at the scene where they're on top of the train. <laughs> and I forgot that he did a literal cartwheel on top of the train. I did like that there was wind enough for him to do that. <laughs> yeah, that was outrageous. So they're like crawling around on the top of the train, fighting on the train. And then there's a helicopter. Oh, God, yeah. So that guy comes in on this helicopter and chases them into a tunnel. Yep. And somehow successfully navigates this helicopter within the tunnel. You know, it all comes to an end. The guy gets dead dead. Not just fake dead, real dead. Well, yeah, he, he got exploded really good. Life disavowed him. Oh, God. <laughs> and then I thought of that earlier scene where they're breaking into the CIA and Tom is like, because that same guy was about to shoot that guard. Oh, yeah. And Tom goes, no, no body count. And I thought, oh, you're the body count. You're the only one who's dying from that mission. Oh, interesting. I wrote that, actually wrote down that line. Zero body count. We'll see. Right. Well, we'll see. And it was him who died. Yeah. I wrote the only good guy was Luther. 
And then this, then all of a sudden it's like the, the, uh, the denouement, the, the ending, the, the wrap up moments. Mm-hmm. The CIA fixes everything. Another great line. I'm going to miss being disrespectable from Luther. And then, yeah, Tom Cruise is like, why would I go back to the CIA? You know, I'm, I'm over that. Why would I go back? And then we see him on another plane and the woman comes up to him again. I guess every flight attendant knows about these secret missions. I think, I guess Tom has now gotten that coveted $62,000 a year. Oh, you think he got a raise? <laughs> yeah, I think he took over John Voight's position. Oh, no. And now he's the boss. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so sad. And she goes, would you consider the cinema of the Caribbean? Aruba, perhaps? I would consider the cinema of the Caribbean. <laughs> I would like to go to Aruba. Right? And he's like, well... And <laughs> the like, sequel. But see... That works because it wraps up the entire movie. The entire movie is finished before they're like, there could be a sequel. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I think overall, too, this movie gives you hints of how the other movies will be really fun because you see parts, little bits of glimpses of Ethan's humor and yes. like like a light behind his eyes. Not the whole time, granted, but like in his interactions with Luther, when he's joking around the team before things get crazy. And those are the parts of these movies that I end up really liking. Yeah. He's got some great banter between him and Max, too, who is the uh, Vanessa Redgrave. Oh, yeah, yeah. I agree. That Yeah, they have a funny relationship, too. But yeah, you can see promise in this movie, I would say. So overall thoughts. How did you feel that we've talked through the whole thing? Yeah, I feel... I mean, again... The first watching, I, I think I was like, oh, this is so boring. I hate it. I don't ever watch this again. And this time, it was like, this is fine. I'm excited to re-watch more of the other movies. Yeah, I'm really excited to get into the others. And I can see how this could still be a hit and a launching pad. Where it's, like you just said, it sets up the other movies so well. This one is kind of, you know, you don't have to watch it. It's sort of hit or miss. Yeah, I think it's fine. It's fine. It really is. Yeah, it has some moments that are really iconic. And that theme. I the theme song is very fun. The theme song is so fun and really helps it. Every time the theme song comes in, I was like like jumping in my seat a little bit. Right? You're like, ooh, something's going to happen. It was really fun. It really, yeah, it moved the action along and made you excited. And Yeah. So 10 out of 10 for the theme song. Yeah. And then remembering, too, that Tom Cruise does all of his own stunts is always I was really wild. thinking about that, yeah. Just like the harness, like when he's trying to lift up his hands from the floor. Oh, I know. And, and keep his like legs up, too. That must have been impossible. God, it's just wrapped right around his waist. Oh, no. All of his, mu- yeah. Or the scene with the fish tank. Mm-hmm. Like the the wall of water coming down. At them. Yeah, that was way too much water for a fish tank to have in it. <laughs> well, it's a pretty big fish tank. Even still, what's that hotel we went to? Yeah. Oh, the Dream. Dream. I mean, they've got that fish tank. It's pretty big. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm sure they'd have a wall of water. Okay, but yeah, I I agree with you. I think it's a fun movie. It still is a fun movie. It's not one I would revisit anytime soon. I've seen there. I've seen it. Been there. Done that. I feel like if I remember correctly, most of these other films are about Tom Cruise, that character's relationship with authority, with the CIA. They're all about him basically getting disavowed again and again and again <laughs> and going on the run and doing ghost protocol and doing this and that and and fighting, you know, fighting for whatever he needs to to gain his good name back. So this just sort of sets up that pattern. And it does. I mean, he has loyalty to his team. Primarily. To the people around him, not yes. to the government, but to the no. people around him, which is why I think he, it's easy for him to flip in this movie to, to doing whatever... Vanessa Redgrave wants him to do. Yeah. He doesn't really care about, you know, his fellow agents. Yeah, I'm trying to think if the movie would have been better or unchanged if he had cared. Right, if he'd been like a company man. Mm-hmm. 
and been like, no, the CIA is my life. Or like the CIA is corrupt, but I still believe in it. I still believe in the potential. Yeah. And all these agents, they do too. And it's not their fault that it's corrupt. Mm. They don't deserve to have their lives offended. Well, but was it corrupt? I mean, in the sense that like they were willing to take out five agents. Right. Which is rude. <laughs> to find a mole. <laughs> rude to say the rude. least. Yeah. <laughs> so out of five trash can fires, what would you give this movie? <sighs> That's tough because I don't want to. I don't want to give it a bad rating because it's not a bad movie, but it's also not a good movie. (laughs) It's definitely not a great movie for me. It's not my favorite by any means. I'm like drifting between a two and a three. Eh, it's my overall feeling. So I think I'm going to land at like a two and a half. What about you? How many trash can fires did you give it? I mean, I would say three, but I'd say anywhere between two and a half and three. It's just because it's fine. It's not bad. It's not great. Yeah. I think I need to get better about giving movies five. (laughs) because too many of my meters are like i guess a fine movie is like two two and a half right i don't know i feel like that's bad for me yeah same so i guess i'll give it a three it's like solid it's fine okay maybe i'll give it a three too that seems right so our next movie next week we'll be back with nobody um which is the bob odenkirk movie um should be fun he's very funny so i'm hoping there's some humor in it i know absolutely nothing about this movie other than what you just told me so (laughs) Full of hope and promise for this. Yes. Yes. Very hopeful. And then, yeah. So watch the movie or don't. Either way, we'd love to have you come back and listen. Um, in the meantime, if you want to email us a movie suggestion or compliments, you can send those to ladiesgetaction at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at ladiesgetaction. If you want to find me on Instagram, you can find me at Rebecca Ringley Casting. And then Rin, where can we find you? People can find me at Rin Olson. That's R-I-N-O-L-S-S-O-N on Instagram. And if you've been enjoying listening to this podcast, we just have a very small favor to ask, which is that you go to Apple Podcasts, rate it a five, and leave us a written review. Tell us your favorite things about the episodes. And if you've heard any stories about Tom Cruise and fish. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yes, please leave us a review and rate five stars only. Um, And we'll be back next week. Until then, get get some some action. action.